In this episode, we'll speak to one of the top safety professionals and academics in the United States about the state of safety and the fact that sometimes safe is not safe enough. We'll talk about some of the reasons why this is the case and what needs to be done to make the workplace safer. Up next on Psych Health and Safety USA. From Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. Safety at work is more than freedom from physical injury. To be safe, you have to feel safe. Join us each week as we discuss psychologically healthy and safe work in the USA. Well, this episode is going to be very, very special. Very, very special. Uh, first of all, uh, let me share with you uh, for this week's episode of the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. I. David Daniels, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Each week, we seek to increase the awareness of the importance of psychological health and safety by learning from the lived experiences, research, expertise, uh, and other great characteristics of our guests, and also to advocate strategies to reduce harm and minimize the vulnerability to psychosocial hazards in the American workplace. Again, this is a really special episode for me. First is the topic, of course. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the fact that safety and safe may not be safe enough. There may be some conversations that we haven't had around safety that we should, and we're gonna have some of them today. But even more important than that is my guest. So for full disclosure, uh, this guest was my advisor, helped me through the journey to uh, complete my PhD in occupational health and safety. And uh, she's become a mentor and a friend. And I'm absolutely honored to be joined by Dr. Linda Martin. She's the host of The Safety Struggle. She's the executive director of Safeland, an academic, a researcher, an author, and an all-around good person. And uh, just glad to have you here. Good day, Dr. Martin. How are you? Hi, Dr. Daniels. <laughs> I always have the best time saying Dr. Daniels because to me, um, I am so proud of your work. Uh, I'm so proud of the person that you are and and the person that you're becoming in this field. And so I, I'm really I'm really excited to be on your show. I'm 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 a little <laughs> nervous. I'm not going to lie because I'm used to interviewing other people, but. Um, let's see how this goes because uh, I'm super interested in in what you're doing with this podcast. Absolutely. Well, uh, truthfully, uh, it's a it's a, it's a little interesting for me too because uh, I I can't say I've had a lot of opportunities to uh, first of all podcasting is new to me altogether, but I, I still consider myself a uh, an up and coming learner researcher that type of thing, and to be in the presence of such uh, greatness and smartness <laughs> is always very cool. Uh, so what, what I do for all of my guests is I start off with, uh, you know, this question in terms of introductions, who is Linda Martin? Oh man, you know, <laughs> that, that's a good question. Um, I'm in a constant state of becoming just like, just like you said, right. Sure. You're that person that you're still growing in your career, hopefully. Right. That's mm -hmm. where, that's where mm -hmm. we all are. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been many different iterations of myself okay. during my working career. So who is Linda Martin? Who was Linda Martin when she was 20 years old? Linda <laughs> Martin was Linda Martin was a geologist coming out of school thinking she was going to work in the oil fields, right? Linda Martin at 30 years old was an environmental consultant. Um, Linda Martin at 40, uh, coming into a full-fledged safety career, and um, now in my 50s. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Um, now in my fifties, uh, I'm still in a state of growing, right? Growing my practice, growing my client base, growing my not gro growing my knowledge. So, um, you know, which, which stage do you want to talk about? Do you want to start at the beginning or it, it, what, whatever it is you want to share? That's, you know, that's the nice thing about that question. It's, you know, what's it's up to you, whatever you want to share. It's all interesting to me. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to jump into psychological safety. Okay. right away because okay. because one of these things that really rings true to me is um you mentioned it right how safe is safe right and how safe 
is safe for Linda Martin um, has varied over my career. Right. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to share some very personal things if that's sure, okay with you. Sure, absolutely. Um, I came out of college, uh, a, a young gay lesbian uh, professional, right. Mm-hmm. In the Midwest. Mm. Okay. So, so <laughs> <laughs> let's say, let's say that that wasn't probably the most advantageous thing um, or person or um, way to be in the early nineties, right? In the early nineties, we still were on that front edge of um, being afraid, right? And I think this is something that, that on a smaller scale for me, but on a bigger scale for you can resonate, right? Like, like where, where do you fit in this professional life and how do you be a professional when you have personal things that um, are who you are? right? At, at the, at your core. Right? Right, right. So, so one of the first things that I did when I got out of college was I moved away from my hometown. And one of the reasons that I moved away from my hometown was, uh, well, it was twofold. It's not that I didn't love my family or, or any of that other stuff. I had a very loving family, but I really kind of wanted to get to a place where I could be who I was. And the only person that it influenced or, you know, influenced in a, in a negative way was me. Mm. I know that sounds silly. It mm. sounds really silly, but I wanted to, I wanted to start my career and to be a person who was out. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the nineties, which is saying <laughs> something, right? That's right. And, and I always had this idea that I was going to be out no matter what, right? Because I, I, grew up knowing that I was a really good person, mm-hmm. whether I am or not, that's for other people to judge, but on the, in the, in the core of my being that I was a really good person and that I was like everybody else, except for this difference of mm-hmm. who I love. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I moved out of the Midwest, uh, partially, partially because of fear, mm-hmm. partially because I wanted to be on my own and, and, um, you know, living my own life. And what I found was I didn't become psychologically safe Mm. in in the respect that, that you talk about in your Mm. research or, Mm. um, in some of your other, um, writings and, and, and discussions, it it was a, it was a starting point. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, one of the things that I found was the more I liked myself, which is, which is powerful, right? The more I liked myself, the more other people liked me because they saw me as having the same struggles, 20 something, $5 in my pocket at the end of payday. (laughs) Right. Um, you know, I, I loved who I was with. I had to work hard to, to make a living, all those kind of things. And I started my career that way. And I want to say that it, it helped the, the moving away and starting just fresh like that. Um, and I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with this, David, other than, but you know, keep going, I'm, I'm going with you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're, we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about like, how did I become the person that I am today, where I have this wide range of people that I interact with. And, and I think anybody that, that listens to your show or, or listens to my show understands that, um, I love everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Not not everybody loves me, but Mm -hmm. I love everybody. And, and I take people for, um, not who they love or what they look like or what their flaws are or any of that. I, I, I take them at face value right. and um, that's all I've ever asked of anybody else of me mm-hmm. throughout my career. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way I created my own safety, mm-hmm. right. My mm-hmm. safety came from my core as opposed from the outside world. Mm-hmm. And the more it came from my core, the safer I became mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, because more people saw me as Linda right. and not as a lesbian Mm-hmm. married to a woman with two kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that, that the people who are listening, who know me, they're not shocked by that. I can't imagine that they would be, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you never know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And what's interesting is over my career, it became less and less about that and more and more about the person that I am and the, and the ideas that I put out into the world, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to I draw a not so parallel probably with your professional life. Sure. And sure. if I can go there, but sure. if you let me go uh, there. Right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I don't think people look at me and say, is she or isn't she? Right? I, I honestly think they look at me and they go, yep. <laughs> right. But in general, if I wanted to, I could hide. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But not true of people of ethnicity, mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. Ethnic- ethnicities or mm-hmm. people of color. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my question back to you mm-hmm. is, your, or maybe it's not even a question, right? I would think that your lived experience is so much different than I am or, or have experienced in my lifetime than, I, I mean, I just, I, I think that there's, you don't hide, right? You can't hide. I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I, I, I can't. And, and honestly, uh, Doc, that's, uh, it's interesting that, it's interesting, first of all, that, that we met. <laughs> that of all of the, you know, as I shared with you in our discussions, you know, uh, throughout my, you know, my writings, uh, I, so I started off, you know, trying to get this doctorate done. And I frankly just got to the point to where I just didn't feel supported by the folks that I was with. I went, that threw my hands and said, I want to do that anymore because I just didn't want to. And I'm finding that the more birthdays I have, <laughs> the less interested I am in being in spaces where I don't feel safe and don't feel supported, don't feel valued, period. So, and I've just gotten this thing that, you know, I feel like I'm pretty self-sufficient. Uh, I moved, so <laughs> similar situation, I moved out of the house. So I'm the, I'm the eldest of seven kids. Uh, my mom was 14 years old when I was born and she did a great job keeping us all together. And, you know, I, I, some of the older folks in my life will talk about how, you know, my, you know, my mom and all her, you know, little, little kids walking behind her. We we're always neat and all that type of thing. We were never, you know, we were never homeless. Uh, we were the kids. We didn't live in the projects. We lived in the subsidized housing across the street because my mom was able to figure all that stuff out. But I, I early on became pretty self-sufficient. So I moved out when I was 17 and uh, I got my first job when I was 11 throwing newspapers and have always been just kind of on my own. So as I've, again, gotten a little older, I started to feel like that on the one hand, I can take care of myself. I don't need people to take care of me and all that type of thing on the one hand, but I also, you know, want and need people around me who support me and believe in me. Um, I shared, you know, (laughs) there's, there's all kinds of stories out there about how just that, that description of me as the single parent household and how that was described to me as a kid. All oh, your family's dysfunctional and you're a latchkey kid and an at-risk kid and all this other nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and as I, again, as I interpret it as nonsense because my family works fine. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it works fine. I've never met my dad, never have. But I also don't feel like that, you know, I hear people who are, who've done all kinds of horrific things and they go, oh, it's because I didn't make my dad. No, that's because that's a decision that you made. And the lack of familiarity with your mother or father might've been a factor, but it was a decision that you made for whatever reason that you made it. Not a judgment, but it's also not an excuse either for whatever the, you know, you did what you did. And so, you know, back to your question about, you know, I, I can't hide, you know, and, and uh, as we, as we're off air, we're talking a little bit about, you know, um, uh, about my son, who's a, you know, he's a, he's a sushi chef. And I mentioned the fact that he's the only black sushi chef I've ever met. Uh, but, but for me, that comes up all the time because I feel particularly in this country that that's what people see. They don't see the PhD, the, the, you know, the 30 plus years of fire rescue service, all the other stuff that they've done. They don't see any of that. They see a black guy walking in and this country simply has some issues and challenges around that aspect of me. Uh, but, you know, like I said, you, you get to a point to where, you know, people can either kind of take it or leave it because I can't, 
make people like me or make people care about me or support me. I can't make them do that. But I'm also convinced that there are people who do. And, you know, and as I, and then I, and I met someone like you and I go like, here's another person who kind of supports me, who, who's telling me throughout this entire process, you can do this. You know, I've heard a lot of people tell me what I couldn't do. Oh, that's never going to work. And that's a ridiculous idea. Blah. Everything was a ridiculous idea before somebody did it. So yeah. and I'm just I'm just of the opinion that, well, how come? Why not? Uh, you know, why not me? Uh, he doesn't he doesn't play for my favorite team anymore. But Russell Wilson, you know, who's now the Denver Broncos, <laughs> always talks about this. You know, wh wh why not me? So uh, and that's mm -hmm. the way I feel even in, you know, in this environment, in the country, the history and all that type of stuff of, you know, the, the ways in which we have treated that this country has treated a lot of people. A lot of people who didn't right. fit, you know, the archetype, a lot of people got the same thing. And the only difference is, you know, yeah, it's more difficult for me to hide, uh, but it is easy for me to blend because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I was raised in Seattle, Washington. I know how to code switch and, you know, be comfortable in the rooms where I'm the only person in the room, which is most of the case, most of the time. So uh, I, I can do it, but I've just chosen to be, you know, this is who and what I am. This is what I believe in. And, you know, and I'm okay with people disagreeing with it. And we'll, that's a part of this discussion around psychological safety and psychosocial hazard mitigation. Uh, the difference be between psychological safety, you know, Amy Edmondson's work around people feeling like they have an environment where they can bring their whole self and be their whole self. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the research that, that, that I conducted, you helped me through, is a focus from a safety perspective that says, that's great to have this psychologically safe place where everybody kind of gets along. The challenge is if you don't monitor it, it won't stay that way. Right. Because of these psychosocial hazards that are everywhere all the time. They just are. And uh, so anyway. Uh, so can I, can I just jump back to something that you said there? And sure. I think this is probably... I'm going to tie a parallel between what I said and kind of what you just talked about, um, about being comfortable, um, about code switching and, and um, being, being comfortable in a room, being the only person in a room. I think that there are many people that bring with them their psychological safety and their psychosocial yes. safety, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the room bringing it to them. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. I think I, I think I bring it with me mm -hmm. to a room mm -hmm. and I hope that what I've done is I've bring it, I bring it to the room and then I let it infiltrate into yeah. my surroundings. Absolutely. Right? Because, because here's the thing. And I, and I know this about you just from, I think <laughs> I know this about you. I'm not going to be for sure. Right. Um, having, you know, had a, a collegial relationship with you over the last few years is that um, you're going to be comfortable no matter what. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when people are comfortable with themselves, which, which sometimes come from, comes from their upbringing, but it also comes from, you know, a really deep look at, you know, who they are and what they believe and, and how they want to be in this world. When people are comfortable with themselves, it almost disarms other people around them. Not always, not, not always. There will be some people who never change. Right. Um, but it almost allows people to, to blossom from the other side of your bubble that you're bringing to the room mm -hmm. into seeing you for I, David Daniels mm. and not the color of your skin mm -hmm. or Linda mm -hmm. Martin and not who she loves. Right. right. Absolutely. That's a powerful thing. It right. So is. you and I have this, this, this really kind of strong bond, I would say now. And when you talk to me about your son, who was, who is the sushi, sushi chef, right. Su successful sushi chef. Okay. Yeah, say, so that, say I can't it. say it five times. <laughs> right. That's right. But right. All I thought of was, wow, what a great entrepreneur. Right. Right. Yum. Right. Sushi. What a great right. idea during the right. pandemic right. to deliver suit. I mean, it, 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 I wasn't thinking as you were, you know, as right. you noted a black sushi chef, right? Right. Right. 
didn't even, I mean, believe it or not, it didn't even come into my mind. All I thought was here is this accomplished father who has given a lot of things to his son in the way of psychological safety and being his own person and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and going to be an entrepreneur, not a black sushi chef, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a young, capable man. Right. Right. Who's doing something great. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it sounds silly, but I it, mean, it doesn't, it is not silly at all. It, it, it makes me think about the, this theory, um, the internal and external locus of control. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and, you know, so those who are stimulated, motivated and make their decisions based on what's going on around them, the external locus, and then those who make more of their decisions based on what's going on inside of them. And, and again, another, you know, my sayings these days is the, Again, the, the, the longer I live, the less I am interested in binary choices because it's both. It's not Amen. either or. It's actually both. I, it is. We have to have this bubble of safety that we take with us. Mm-hmm. But if the bubble that if the environment that we go into is not uh, what it needs to be, uh, if it uh, no matter how good you are, or how strong you are, it, it'll wear at you. You know, mm-hmm. it'll 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 break that bubble down over the course of time. And, and then on the other hand, uh, if you sometimes by the force of your personality and the relationships you're able to build, you're able to break down that system as well. But it's it's, it's kind of it's both. It's it just bo- depends. It, 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 they're both important. It depends. Yeah. It absolutely depends on who's in the room, why you're why you're there, what the purpose of being together is. And uh, I, I just think that's so important about you know, keeping that balance in, you know, I got to bring something with me, but I got to take this to a place where it's going to be welcomed and valued and supported because by themselves, neither of them, I don't believe will work by themselves. Right. I just don't think they will. The people though, who see that, right. Who see the continuum and who see it, it's just depends. And it's, it's not just binary. And this is just my opinion. I think we have a responsibility to other people who maybe need some help with um, filtering through the noise. They do. Yes. And yes. um, Yes. You know, stopping that, that voice in their head that says, I can't. Right. 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 And and I don't see you at all as non-capable, but something in your head told you, can I do this? That's right. right. That's right. And so that's the responsibility that we have for each other to say, of course you can do this. Mm-hmm. Of course you can. I see it in you. Right. Mm-hmm. But one mm-hmm. of my friends, Michael Bowman will always say, I see the greatness in you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to look for in others. And we also need, we have a responsibility that if we've been there, that we make sure that we're, we're working towards helping other people come either to where we are now or beyond. Yeah. It's this, it's almost this chicken or egg conversation (laughs) is, uh, do I, do I uh, feel this way about myself because it's just intrinsic? Uh, There's just something in me. Uh, do I feel this way because of the people that are around me who encouraged me and or is it again? It's a little bit of both. It is a, a little bit, bit of both. It's a it's a little bit of both because I, I honestly believe that we come into the world with all kinds of potential and talents and tendencies and, but then we you know, well good for good or bad, uh, we get exposed to other people, mm-hmm. typically the adults who have a lot of influence over how kids see the world, because a kid you know so a kid will hop up on the table and think they can fly. And, and they don't know that they can't, so they'll try it. Uh, so, uh, and, and, but they feel that way about most things until adults around them tell them, no, you can't, that's bad. It's a lot of this kind of negative reinforcement type of thing on the one yep. hand. Yep. But then on the other, uh, there's some things because they don't know, because there are those natural fears and, and you know, I've not really done that before. So the, the amygdala gets hijacked and they kind of react, you know, with the, either the mm-hmm. fight or flight response that you need people around you to go, Oh, that's, it's safe for you to do that. It's okay. It's, it's yeah. okay. Go yeah. out and hang out with those kids. I'm, I'm here watching, you know, I, I'm not very far away. So, and, and the reason why all this is so important and, and just so interesting how, 
you know, you tied together who you are with, you know, this discussion. This is the same uh, phenomena that should happen in the workplace. It really yes. should. Because if it doesn't, you, people can't be their whole self, their best self and do their best work if they're A, feeling like I just can't. I mean, I just, on the one hand, or they're being told that you can't. And they, they have to have both going on at the same time in this. I honestly believe that the most important role of a person with power, supervisor, manager, director, whatever that title is, or senior person or person with expertise, the most important responsibility you have to others is to create a safe environment so they can be themselves. Mm -hmm. All the other, none of the other stuff matters. Create a safe environment for them to be themselves, but there also has to be, so it's, it's a balance between everything, sure, right? Sure. Um, there needs to be some accountability. Absolutely. Right? I mean, absolutely but not the accountability of my parents and their parents, right? Mm. Which is no, you can't, mm. no, you will not mm -hmm. because I said so. Mm -hmm. Right. But accountability for, I want you to be better. And I'm going to help you be better, but you have to help me help you. Yes. Right. Yes. And I need to know what you need and I need, I need to be told what you need. And I, so, so there, as you were kind of talking about this, this, how people interact on each other, right. I was thinking about, you know, where you are, where you are is not where you were yesterday. Right. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's uh, two steps back one step forward. And sometimes it's a lot of steps back and mm -hmm. only a little bit forward. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not how the world works. Right. The world works in, in kind of this multidimensional moving uh, atomic particle kind of way. Right. And that's how, that's also how the workplace works. Right. Yes. Is, is you're not being acted upon just by your manager. You're That's being right. acted upon by the, the culture of the organization. You're being acted upon by everybody that you work with and touch. You're being acted upon by your teammates within, right? And so there's a lot of work to be done by everyone, right? First, by the company management, the, the mm -hmm. corporate culture, the organizational culture, then mm -hmm. by the leadership that's chosen to be, to be uh, shepherds of, um, our youth or our people who are coming into the workplace, but, but it, it, it is a micro microcosm, uh, atomic kind of complex particle that needs to, to work upon each other in order to make something psychologically safe. Now that's just the way that I see it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to create the environment for it first, which a lot of companies don't. They do not. Okay. They do not. Um, they talk a good game. Yes. Right. One one of the things that I've been getting into now is this ESG, the Environment Social Governance Government, right? Right. right. And governance, and uh, they talk a lot about like accountability and you know how we look at the environment and sustainability and our supply chain and and there are all of these promises about what a company is doing, but there's no concrete. We're doing it. Action. Right. I'm, I'm not going to say no. There there are something companies that do it, but there are a lot of people that will say, well, we've got a great organizational culture here, you know, at, as it pertains to our conversation here. Sure. But they don't, they're not checking, they're mm -hmm. not evaluating, they're not um, consciously working on things. So mm -hmm. you, you made a great share the other day on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and I hope, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds by saying oh, this. Go ahead, please. But the yeah. Juneteenth ice, ice cream. <laughs> right. Okay. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it, it, and I, I know maybe this is totally off topic, but um, it's one thing to say you have something that helps people be psychologically safe and, and you're taking psychosocial hazards you know, to heart and, and, and to think, and to think about like how you're, how are you going to remove these hazards from people's path? Right right? right. right. But, but this was a great example, right? The pint of Juneteenth ice cream and saying, look, we're, we're supporting African-American, uh, you know, black workers. I, right. I, I right. don't, I don't know. Right. But, but it's DEI diversity, equity, inclusion that falls flat. Right. 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 So, right. so 
don't just say it and don't just do something, right? There has to be some meaningful path of how we get from here to there. So uh, don't just make a pint of ice cream is what I'm saying. Well, there's there. So there is a there is a passage uh, in the good book that it gets used often, uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I don't agree with that at all. I don't. Uh, that's said to be the golden rule. I believe in the platinum rule. Do unto others as they'd have done to them. Which, mean, which means so because they, the other has this assumption that I know what's good for you. Mm-hmm. you know. So I'm going to do the things that I like because you'll like it too. And that's simply not correct. It's not. There are 8 mm-hmm. billion people on the planet. We just see things different. That's all. Now, so so back to the back to the ice cream caper. <laughs> uh, somebody thought that was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Somebody thought that would be really respectful of others. The the challenge is the people that you say you're trying to be respectful of. You never ask them. That's the point. And mm-hmm. that's when we talk about you know uh, occupational safety in general. Fit, uh, you know, uh, people. I, I don't know that there's a lot of variance on what fire safety is. You know, it, it kind of is what it is. Either you know, you, you're either you have, doing the right thing, or you're or, or you're not. Either you had a fire, or you didn't. It's kind of again almost yep. binary. Yeah. But but w- with psychosocial hazards, are hazards that uh, are perceived or experienced as a threat by the person who is perceiving or experiencing them. It is it is totally custom. There yep. is no there is no cookie cutter is going to work for everybody. So if you want to know what makes me or causes me to feel safe, you have to ask me. And you also have to actually tell you. Yeah. Because sometimes the reason that people don't ask is they, they have watched, they have observed what you did last time. They observed how you, you know, responded or didn't to the last person, particularly the person like them and how you responded to that. So they're not going to tell you if they don't feel safe telling you. And then if they do tell you they feel safe enough and you don't do anything about it, it sometimes almost it makes it worse because yeah. now I have a new experience of you disregarding my concerns. And, and, and you know, as we talk, as we connect this to more physical safety, if you do the investigation, why is it that the guy or gal ran into the back of the truck in front? Why? Because they had too much work to do. And they told you that they told you that six weeks ago. Hey, there's too many, uh, too many packages on the route or there's you know, too many machines for me to try to monitor. What They told you that and you disregarded it. And mm-hmm. then when they were physically injured or physically injured someone else or damaged a piece of equipment, now it's an issue and it's their fault. When right. you could have resolved that, you had the likelihood of resolving that by simply asking the question up front. This is what we are trying to do. What is your input to what we are trying to do? Not what I'm trying to do. What are we trying to do? And how can we make it better? Yes. Yes. Right. Not, not right. you, not me. We. Right. So Absolutely. I want to remind you of a conversation that we had when you were doing your PhD. We were okay. talking about boats. Okay. Right. Okay. Do right. you remember this conversation I, we had I about do. boats? I do. And. It was about rowing this boat, right? And right. and people trying to get you in the boat, right? Right. And and I don't mean in a manipulative way, but mm-hmm. but but if you if people want to, let's say it's an organizational boat, right? Mm-hmm. And and they want to include you, and they're desperate to include you, right? If how do they get you in the boat? And do you want to be in a boat that people are shooting holes in the bottom? <laughs> right. Uh, right? <laughs> right. So. So that, that kind of goes back to this conversation of everybody has a role to play in the workplace, whether it's productivity, um, you know, product safety, personal safety, uh, workers, it's just all of those different things, right? And if we don't take into account as many people as we can, mm-hmm. when we make a decision about we, which in the workplace is always about we always, always about we it's about the organization. It's about the people. It's about the teams. It's about, it's, it's about we, Mm -hmm. right? Because without the, we organizations cease to exist. They do. They do may not in the short term, but in the long term, the organizational will become so much dysfunctional or so much so that they can't make a profit or 
survive yeah. in the workplace. It, it, right? It'll be like Woolworth or, uh, you know, or, or yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm really, I want to kind of just cycle back to that boat theory is like, so we all need to be on the boat, right? But if you or the organization is not listening to what I need to be on the boat, then uh, yeah, then lock, and lock and I'm going to get my own boat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm saying to, to people, you know, that are listening to your show that mm-hmm. it's, it's sometimes it's okay to get your own boat. It is. It is. Sometimes it's okay to get off the boat and get into another boat. Right. That's exactly right. And I think what, what the shame is, is some people don't feel like they can do that. Exactly. Because the hold of the organization, whether they're psychologically or psych, you know, there are psychosocial hazards that, that still exist there, they hang on to the boat or they stay in the boat because of fear. That's right. That's right. That's right. It, it, and it becomes this, sadly, you know, and, and, I, and I've watched it. Matter of fact, I watched it here recently. I, I watch people who go into work every day. I had an experience some years ago uh, of driving to work in tears. So much I hated it. It was mm-hmm. terrible. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell, I told myself, matter of fact, the wife and I had this conversation about, I have to stop doing that to myself, which means that may mean, and again, we had to change the entire way we live our lives. So I didn't have to do that because it wasn't worth it. I mean, there's a, there's a book out there called Dying for a Paycheck. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people who are doing it today and they, they you know, they got the whatever, the big house, the car, the, the whatever, you know, the trappings of the quote unquote American dream, but you're dying to keep it. And frankly, you're, you're, you're playing into a system that uh, has told you, oh, you can get all these things, but in order to get them, you got to have, you know, mountains of, you know, of debt and you've got to, you know, you've got to be kind of shackled to your desk all the time. You don't get to enjoy much of any of it. And Here's the deal for us. We, even if we gave you a pension, we know you're not going to get it because you're probably going to die after you're going to die. So right? it's great. It's great for the organization, but not really great for you. It's that whole mindset that what's more important, me or this other stuff going around. And I, I frankly, I love and respect me some me. And <laughs> I, 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 I do. That. I love I love me some me and I'm not willing to sacrifice me for, you know, for the trappings that, you know, ultimately aren't going to result in much of anything anyway. And mm-hmm. so, no, I, I you know, it's, so, and, but it's even, it's difficult to watch, you know, to see people in that scenario where, so I hate my job. I've been there for 10 years. Well, why are you still there? Right. At, at what point do you decide that, you know, this environment, and again, this is not to say that the environment itself is bad for everyone who's there. It's just bad for you. That's mm-hmm. the deal. And, and, and it's, how do we have this conversation about it may not be it may be psychologically safe for everybody else and just not for me. That doesn't make them bad people. Doesn't no. make me a bad person. It just says we're just incompatible and I need to find another option. And the same thing from the organization's perspective. Just because a person doesn't fit here, how can we help them be successful doing something else? Right. Uh, right. And there are companies that do that, right? I mean, but generally there are companies that are bigger that can um they have a larger area for people to go. Sure, sure. Within them, right? Sure. But see, um, I'll, I'll, I'll challenge that assumption. Okay. I think any organization can do it if it's important. If there are 10 of you, 10 of you, you hired that person. You put out the shingle and said, hey, we need help. You decided that. You picked them. Uh, you decided, you know, what the, you know, what the performance metrics were. You decided all that stuff. And then at some point, you decide that they don't fit. I have some issue with that, uh, but once you decide, then you also have a responsibility to help them with the next thing. So that might mean, you know, I got a, I got another friend who has a company. They got a position. It's helping people be successful wherever they are, even if that means doing something else, because it's going to make the world a better place rather than, ah, I know we hired them. They're not working out now. I'm going to get rid of them. Right. But you don't know if you don't ask. Right. You have to ask the right questions. That's right. Um, Wherever you were working, my, my guess would be that they didn't ask those questions. Right. And that David Daniels had to ask those questions of himself. That's right. 
and I am going, I'm going to have a, a, a moment of, of bonding with you here that I have had several times in my career where I've sat on my bed in full on ugly tears mm-hmm. about where I was and what I was doing. And nobody asked me, how can mm-hmm. I help? Mm-hmm. The first right. time in my life that that happened, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was my, it was my wife that did it. Right. She said, she said, how can I help? Mm. You know, you don't have to do this. Right. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. other times I had to shake myself out of it, but that was the first time. Right. right, right. Boy, it mean, it means the world to me that somebody else saw that. Right. And so if, if you're a company owner a manager, um, an advocate, coworker, and you see that in somebody else, you can see unhappiness. I, I don't think I don't think there's any human being that can't see, uh, unless you're totally self-centered and absorbed, that can't see pain. Mm. Mm. I, mm. That's just my opinion. I don't think that there that there's anybody that cannot see it. It's the it's the comfort factor of being able to say, okay, I'm going to go there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and just ask how how can I help? And if you can't help, then you phone a friend. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. I agree. I agree with that. Um, but I will say that, that, you know, anybody who's been there in the ugly tears of like, this is just, that this is killing me. The grind is killing me, whatever. I, I now have a, a, a motto of I can flip burgers if I need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I may not make as much money. Mm-hmm. I may not put as much in my retirement, but in the short term, it might be mentally psychologically what I need in order to get through my day. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm all over that, all over that. Um, again, and you know, the decisions I've made, particularly in the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so, I told myself that I am not going to be in an environment that is not supportive of me. If that means, and you know, there's this thing out there about, well, you know, We've got these systems that kind of reinforce the unhappiness because, uh, so again, my, my, my graduates in HR, I've never been a practitioner, but I wonder about some of these HR practices. Why do you need to know the last 10 places that I worked? What, why does that matter? What, and, and, and frankly, here's how it works. You're, you're going to call all the people that I used to work with and you're going to look for, of course, I'm going to tell you all the persons who like me. You're going to look for the person who didn't. Yeah. Well, what's the point? What, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps. It wasn't that I was a bad employee, because that's generally the person gets blamed for the breakup of the employment relationship. It's always the person. Could it be that that organization was simply not a fit for them? Mm -hmm. Could it be? And could it be that we should be looking for people who have the knowledge, skill, ability, and potential to act or to to perform in this environment we're going to bring them into? Mm -hmm. We have, oh, the, we have the spot. This person is this, this a, shape, their ab, mind is this way. Absolutely. We have the spot for them. I will say this in the last several things that I've, I've applied for outside of my consulting business in academia, that has been the vibe that I get that more, mm-hmm. more people are looking for the fit of the person. Right. Than they are for references. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. Um, and I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. There, there's some, you know, I mean, word of mouth, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that, that is good too, but, but they're not looking for, let me find something bad about this person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but let me believe in the good. Mm-hmm. Let me believe that, in the good. And, and uh, I, I, as important as that is, there's a part of me that says we, uh, that organizations and individuals need to also make sure that the the archetype, the standard, the thing that people are fitting into is just and open and mm-hmm. going to give people opportunities. Because again, this is something that, you know, again, as you know, a person who looks like me in this country, uh, there's been, been studies done based on what you put in your resume and, you know, your name and that type of thing where People won't even give you the opportunity because their bias kicks in and they assume you're not a fit and they don't really know on the one hand mm-hmm. or or they think you're a fit. And as soon as as soon as you seem like you might not be, they turn it off and want to move on to something else. Yep. So 
I, I, I think it's really important that if we're looking for fit, it's once we make the commitment to have someone fit, that as long as we're both trying to make it work, it does. Yeah. It yeah. does. So you're doing as much as you can to help me fit. I'm doing as much as I can to fit. But at the same token, I am different. What is it that you need me to do so I can still be my true self? Authentic self. Authentic, real self. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I don't think that existed back in the nineties when I first started working. Right. Um, I think, you know, paper resumes, obviously, right. Where you kind of just, you were just looking for ticking a box and you're throwing, throwing them right and left. I think I probably wouldn't have had, even though social media was kind of coming up in the nineties, I don't think I would have had social media because I would be afraid that people who look like me or act like me or, my, right. my background, who I live with, mm-hmm. that there would be a tendency not to hire me. Right. And, and in the early stages of my career, I was desperate to have a job. Sure. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So I needed to get in front of people in order to show my worth. And I would get, I mean, if, if social media existed back in the nineties, I, I feel like I would have been ruled out. Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so talk a little bit about, we, we've got, you know, still a few more moments here. Uh, why is it that you think in the United States, we are not as focused? I, I think we're getting there. I think man, I've shared that the pandemic didn't change anything. It just exposed everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've had more conversation about psychological safety, psychosocial hazard mitigation, people feeling, you know, accepted where they are at, but why is it that you think that we, uh, we don't really have standards or, you know, regulations or that kind of stuff. So why is it, and there are other countries around the world that do, so why not here? Oh, that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think, and I probably get myself in trouble for this, but I think to some extent our um, system of forming regulations and, um, the political differences that people seem to have in the last four to six years or 10 years, last decade, um, precludes us from, from keeping that open mind against each other, mm-hmm. um, all sides, mm-hmm. all sides, right. I'm not mm-hmm. taking a side here, but it mm-hmm. keeps us from having an open, open mind for the good of the all. Mm-hmm in order to make regulations that are for the good of the all. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I, I just, I, I don't want to get political about it, but I, th- I think that there's, there's p- political um, barriers that exist here in the United States. I think that to some extent our legislative system is broken because they're, they're it's very hard to get laws into place when we have lobbyists and all these different things. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a, good or bad, but, but that exists. Right. I mean, look at, look at OSHA, right. Mm. You know, I'll use OSHA mm. as an example. And so, we'll, we'll, and, and we'll say, okay, look, we, we are regulating for the lowest possible standard that we can have. Well, why is that? Right. Because it's very hard to get a regulation through the system, right? Some of these standards for exposure to workers have been in place since the seventies. Right. And it's only because, not because the science isn't better, because the science is better, right? I'm industrial mm-hmm. hygienist. And I know right. that most of the compounds that OSHA regulates, the, the standards of being exposed are much lower. Right. 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 Um, I think, I think in some respects, that's because we value capitalism a lot more than we value human life. Yes. Yes. And again, that's a personal opinion. Right. Sure. sure. I, I like I like to think when I go into the workplace that, you know, part of your responsibility in a capitalist society or in, in, in a, as an organization is to protect your workers. Cause that's how the work gets done. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how we make our profit. That's how we make our product. That's how we do good in this world. If that's what your, your organization is doing. And so, you know, I, I touched on a few things. Well, one is the legislative process. One is the political, the, the wide political gaps that we have, um, we're, we're not, we're not even good at making small regulations. Mm, How mm. are we going to do big things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I can expand it to, to things where um, different country countries work on regulatory standards. So let's take an ISO, 
Mm -hmm. um, and say, look, you know, we work on these ISO standards for years and years and years. And then we come up with this, you know, three page document of a outline that pretty much you can put anything in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because nobody can agree. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And therein rise the, the, the rub, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody mm -hmm. can agree because we are all so different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, do we have to agree? I guess that's, that's the, you know, I, I, my, so my opinion on that, on that yeah. question is the only thing we need to agree on is what we are going to do together and where we want to end up, not even necessarily how we get there. So uh, the, the analogy is if we decide that we are going to meet in St. Louis um, and win. So we need to agree where we want to be and when we want to get there. And that drives how we do it. So right now, if we said that we are going to meet in St. Louis in January of 2023, I've, we've got plenty. I could walk. It's, I'm a little bit closer than literally. I could walk there. You could ride a camel there. I mean, you know, you yeah. could do, pick Mom your- Mom is not walking. I'm, I'm a procrastinator. I'll be there the day before buying and, a ticket on an but, airplane. But, but that you have that option. And again, it's not right or wrong, good or bad. You chose to fly. I chose to walk. As long as we meet there in January, 2023, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of the conversations we have in this country around all kinds of topics- I think that's our challenge mm -hmm. is that we spend too much time around the process and not even clear on what we want. It's, you know, one of the seven habits begin with the end in mind. What, what, do, what do we want? What do we want this to look like? You know, and, and then back up and figure out how to do it. But we're in the details of we got to do this thing. And even from a regulatory perspective, I'm not, I know those out there who people who hate regulations, I'm not saying that we need them. I'm saying, what do we want though? Because in some cases, we're not going to get that unless we do have a structure. Mm -hmm. But first of all, we have to figure out what that is. Is it important for people to feel safe at work? First question. Because if it's not, why don't you just tell people, hey, we don't do that psychological safety thing here. This is what we do. So for example, people are doing MMA. You know, you know you're going to get the crap kicked out of you, but you know what you're getting into. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah. what happens, you have these organizations, oh, yeah, we have a we have a culture of caring. We're concerned about our people. We, and then when I experience it different, mm -hmm. when it doesn't work for me, it's, well, you don't understand. No, I don't understand. You made this promise to me. Right. I came and I was going to do this particular thing, and I'm just not feeling it. And right. if you're really serious, what you do is go, okay, let's adjust the way we're doing that because I want you to feel a part of this. I want you to feel safe. But, you know, I just think people should just be honest about what their underlying motivation is. And if you don't, you know, if you don't want women to work there, just say it yeah. and, and, and accept the consequence. You don't want, you know, uh, whoever. Yeah. You know, just say that rather than, oh, we're an equal opportunity. We love people. We're safe. Yeah. And it doesn't feel that way to people. And when they tell you, you reject it. Don't just have a program. Absolutely. Yeah. Have, have a value. Have a value, right? The value. So, I mean, it's, it's just just to you know tie it back. Safety, safety is a value everybody has. I don't think you could line up fifty different workers of of all different ethnicities, of all different backgrounds, of all different you know personal things that they have going on to have their own little um, you know worlds that 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 they live in. That you're going to ask them the question. Do you want to die today at work? Mm. You want to feel safe, right? Mm. The, the answer is, I, I feel like it's always going to be the same. I don't think you're going to ask anybody. Do, do you want to feel unsafe today? And they're going to go, yeah, yeah, love that. You know, <laughs> so if, if your answer as an organization is, I want everybody to feel safe, which, I mean, I think that's a great value, mm -hmm. then you must you must do your best to work with every single individual to find out what their motivations are and, and what, what helps them to achieve that goal. And, and, and again, back to the conversation we were having earlier, I'm not suggesting that is this kind of Pollyanna approach says, oh yeah, we got to make it great for everybody. Uh, I, I, I believe that we should uh, do everything we can to help people feel safe, 
regardless to what that means for the even for the organization, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. So right. again, sometimes the safest thing is to have this person do something else because they this this environment for them is just not compatible. But right. on the on the front end, we should have noticed that when we brought you in, right. but we didn't. And so if we did bring you in, we got to put as much energy into finding a, a place for you to be so you can still feel safe. If we're committed to that, that value, right. it doesn't matter whether it's here, whether it's, you know, the it's business. It's an extension beyond the organization. Exactly. Right? exactly. Honesty, Even, transparency, that's and, right. and compassion. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, um, wow. Uh, we. Do you want to keep uh, talking? Well, <laughs> I, I, I want to, before we, before we conclude, I, I, I want to have you share a little bit about uh, either, so if you could pick, you know, a situation that is psychologically unsafe or there's a, or pick one of the psychosocial hazards that, you know, it's kind of floating out there that, that you've either seen or experienced yourself and so this is what happened, or this is what I've seen, and this is what should have happened. So give it just a, a really quick scenario about even some of the things that you might have experienced at work. I felt this way, but this is the way it should have been. Do you have a quick story that would fit oh, that category? Oh, man. So, so I, this may or may not be a good example, but um, I, I believe in the power of people. Okay. The power of people to, to, to see, and I said this earlier, to see pain in other people, to see uh, areas where they can en enact compassion. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I will say that, that I did have a workplace where there was a tyrannical leader. Mm. Okay. And mm -hmm. by tyrannical, I mean, almost to the point of tyr Tyrannosaurus Rex. Wow. Okay? Wow. And and the psychological safety of everybody working in, in that particular organization, in that particular company, um, you could see it. We, mm. we could all feel it, but nobody said anything. Mm. Okay. Um, it, in that organization or in that company, the way it should have been was that the workers were connected enough that they could have done something as a, as a whole to, to change that leadership, right. Mm -hmm. Or to, to, to say something about it. Mm. Um, that was the ideal, right? So I guess my, my question is to you, why do you think in a group of people who feel not psychologically safe, who are um, put in a place where they, collectively can see it in each other's, the fear in each other's eyes. Um, why don't they say anything? What is the psychology behind that? Because what should have happened right. was that we should have gotten together right. and made a plan. That's right. right. That's right. Um, but, but it was one of the most petrifying, fearful places I've ever worked. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's that's the kind of example that you're giving, but um, you know, how should it have been? It should have been that we cared enough about each other to change the paradigm, to change the situation. Yes. Um, yes. That's a powerful workplace, right? Where people not so much band together, but they share each other's concerns. They share. You, you know, I I I think it is about standing together, though, to be quite honest. So when the, in March of 1911, when those 146 people at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory died because of their working conditions, it took thousands of people banding together and going, look, we've had enough of this. Mm -hmm. we, we, we're, we're tired of these kinds of occurrences happening, uh, and we are going to do something about it. I don't know if there was a, a singular leader, but enough people had the same feel that, that you know, that that's mm -hmm. why we have uh, labor unions right now. That's mm -hmm. why we have something called the National Safety Council right now is right. there was an event. There was something that, you know, shook our collective consciousness to say, look, we're, we've had enough of this. And I believe oh, with, with all that's in me that that can happen in an organization. 
but sometimes it's going to take the one person who's going to be that person who says, look, it's and, and who's going to have the courage. Who's going to fall on the sword? Who's going to fall on the sword? You know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, often the person who really can and should put themselves in a position to be that person is the safety professional, to be quite honest. Yeah. I, I, that's, I believe that's the role of a safety professional is to be that person to say, okay, hold up. There's something that needs to be done. Uh, yeah, I know we haven't had an OSHA complaint recently. Uh, I, I know everything looks well, but there's people aren't feeling good about this situation. And if we address it in the feeling stage, perhaps we won't have to deal with you know, some of the consequences if we don't. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's catching up while it's small. You know, mm -hmm. that, that tyrannical leader, they didn't just get that way. They were that way a while back and somebody just accepted it and then somebody else accepted it and nobody stepped somebody up. Somebody else accepted it. Somebody's got to step up. Yeah, somebody's got to step up. And I and agree with that. I think mm -hmm. I think to some extent that that's pretty much what happened was somebody mm -hmm. stepped up mm -hmm. and they they just said, you know, OK, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up. People can't see it. Right. But you look up to the universe or, or whatever, whatever is your higher power. And you say, OK, I'm 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 going to let go. Mm -hmm. Right. I, there's a quote um, about, you know, you're either going to step out and you're going to fall, you're going to step out and you're going to fly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that person who has the most psychologically safe bubble mm -hmm. that they brought with them, that they brought mm -hmm. with them, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Needs to step out there and call it out. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. you know, but that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. A hard but... thing. It's a hard thing. And it also causes more tears. It does. It does. <laughs> so, uh, Tears in, so tears out. That, that, that's, again, that's a part of the process. It's cleansing, you know, it's yeah. cleansing. Um, so, so, uh, so what's next for uh, Dr. Martin, the safety struggles? What, what, are, what are you doing next? What's, what's going um, on for you? Man, okay. So I'm still working on the podcast, as you know, that sure. comes out every couple of weeks. Sure. Um, this new thing that I've got going on is Safe Land, right? Which sure. is um, in the energy sector. Mm -hmm. An interesting new role of being an executive director and building something it, it Safeland has existed before, mm -hmm. um, but we're going to, we're going to try to grow it beyond its, its boundaries now. And hopefully into, you know, a, a big ent entity and saving workers lives in the mm -hmm. energy energy industry, not just oil and gas. Sure. Um, sure. writing of course, mm -hmm. right? right. Hopefully something right. with you one of these yeah. days. Absolutely. Um, still working in academia, sure. I'm building a consulting practice, you know, what I have time for, um, it's sky's the limit. Right. right. So right. I'm always looking for somebody to hit me up with something else that's challenging. Sure, so, sure, sure. I don't know what's next. The universe tells me. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, Got to be receptive and, you know, have uh, have things going on so the universe can connect with you. So mm -hmm. if people want to connect with you, where, where can they where can they catch up with you? Oh, man. You know, the link LinkedIn is one of the best places, right? Just look mm -hmm. up Linda Martin on LinkedIn. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any more links but you can follow me and you can mm -hmm. send me an email on there. Sure. Um, my personal email that you can catch me on is lfmartinphd at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. um, I have a bunch of other emails. So if you find one of those, you can hit that up too. But sure. um, certainly I respond to almost everything that I get. It mm -hmm. may take a while, but mm -hmm. um, lovely to interact with anybody. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. hit me well, up. that's a, uh... Wow, this has been, uh, as I expected it would be, uh, just a fascinating conversation. It's just absolutely exciting to be able to, you know, to chat with you and to and to hear your wisdom around a number of topics. Uh, it's 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 cool. It's cool. I, I, I'm honored to have uh, crossed your path, uh, you know, a while back and. Uh, to have had you as a, again, to continue to have you as a friend and as a mentor. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking that there, uh, this will probably, uh, you know, have some other folks connect with you because uh, you're cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, Just you're cool. cool. No, yeah. you're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm cool too. Uh, I, I, you know, the feeling I, is very mutual, David. Yes. Yes. Um, Thank I knew you. Thank when you. I met you that there was something amazing. Um, you're an amazing human. Um, your, your heart's in the right place. Uh, you're going places. And I think, you know, changing lives, hundreds, sometimes one at a time, hundreds at a time, thousands Absolutely. at a time 
And um, I'm a, I'm excited for your journey too. So right on. Stay. right on, right on, right on. So uh, for uh, this episode of Psych Health and Safety USA, uh, go out and, you know, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, a lot of presence on LinkedIn, on the YouTube channel. Uh, you can actually, uh, you can email me as well, uh, david at id2-solutions.com. You also can go to my website, id2-solutions.com. And uh, if you want to reach out, please do. Uh, I can certainly connect you to Dr. Martin if you can't find her, because I know where she is. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, again, thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me. And uh, that's it for this episode of Psych Health and Safety USA. You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in America, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com.